You're listening to That Great Mank Pod, Greater Manchester's community podcast. Top one arcade. Hi and welcome to the sixth of our Carling sessions supported by the Carling Made Local Fund. We'll be showcasing some of the amazing creative talent across our Greater Manchester that would normally be entertaining you and your local, helping them build their audience back and hopefully persuading you to grab a ticket for when they're back performing live. In this episode, Damien and I chat with Reese Williams, poet, performer, and, in our humble opinion, a really, really inspiring bloke. We chat a lot about creativity in this, equal access to the arts, and we're all treated to a few exclusives from Reese, a cheeky peek at some of the amazing pieces that will be in his first book, which hopefully will be out next year. Really enjoyed this, sure you will too. Oh, and as the Carling Sessions are supported by the Carling Made Local Fund, just a reminder to always drink sensibly. My name is Reese Williams. Um, I'm from Manchester, proud Mancunian. Um, I'm a poet. Um, I am a producer, so I produce events and I work with the community, um, hopefully to inspire them to access opportunities that maybe aren't open for them. Hi, Reese. How's it going, Paul? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. There's hey, the man. How was it going? Ah, man. You all right? Oh, well, thanks. All good, my end. Yeah, can't complain. Oh, no, but you can. <laughs> I, can, I, can I can, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all doing our fair share of whinging, aren't we, Reese? Yeah, but we're almost at the end, mate. We're almost at... Well, I'd like to think so anyway. You know oh, what, mate? Well, you know what? Oh, of, of sorts. So you're shaking your head. I'll say, I'll, I'll say we're not at the end, but we're, we're, we're moving forward. We're moving Look forward. Me, mate, I'm 50. I'm nearer the end than you. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, lovely to meet you anyway, finally, by the way. I think we've uh, I think we've caught up a few times over social. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's lovely, lovely to meet you. And this is Damien. Hey, hey, mate. Yeah, uh, all right. I think you know some of my family, actually, Reese. Do I? Yeah, do you know Blue? Of course, yeah, Blue. Of course I do, yeah, Blue. Blue grew Blue. up with my mum. Blue's my cousin. Ah, very small world. So, yeah, Blue grew up with my mum and dad. So, yeah. Right. right. Very, very small world. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've heard her mention you before when we've been doing stuff because I helped her with uh, Nello James. Yes, yep. Yeah. So I was heavily involved in the Nello James. It's a shame what's you know what's happened to that. To lose any yeah. community resource, especially one that was so important to that local community. Do you know what I mean? Big thing, isn't it? It's a big thing. It's erasing yeah. the the folklore and the history, Reese. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's when you when you actually hear the story of that being um, actually dedicated to the local community and things like that. Yeah. To lose it is, oh, mate, so disgusts me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Won't be the last one to go either, though. <clears throat> No, unfortunately, that's gentrification. Though, unfortunately, that's yeah. you know, people think that it's just um, it's just areas that get gentrified. It's actually buildings. It's it's culture that gets gentrified. Unfortunately, mate, we've seen it over the. Yeah. I, I've been involved in community sector for a long time, and I did a lot of work around Miles Platting, and I'm I'm from Clayton, Paul's from Moston. Yeah, so we've seen our fair share of uh, gentrification and erasing our social history and narrative and stuff. It's, it's, it's Renaming crazy. shit, man. Do you know what it's, I mean? It's Clayton, East Manchester. Yeah. Just, put, just put the word new in front of Moston, you've got a totally new area, haven't you? You've got a... <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you'll never see me react quicker when someone calls Ancoats 
Um, what, is it, what is it they call New, it now? What, is it called the Green Quarter now? New Islington. New Islington. New Islington. And it's like, no, it's not, it's Ancoats. <laughs> it's Ancoats. <laughs> my know. granddad grew up in Ancoats. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so my he's... relatives did, man. No, I mean, he, grew, he grew up in New Islington. <laughs> New Islington. If they were around, they wouldn't have let him in. They wouldn't have got into New Islington. I'll tell you that now, man. <laughs> yeah, well, in the old days, you would have got in, you wouldn't have got out. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This what is a... it. So, how things been for you, mate? Yeah. Oh, well, just yeah, keeping busy with work and stuff like that. And um, yeah. yeah, hopefully looking forward to, yeah, at least being able to see people and mix and, you know, get out a little bit. Um, but that aside, oh well, my end, yeah, taking the opportunity to be as creative as possible and yeah, and get on with it really. So, yeah. well, I mean, that's it, isn't it, mate. I mean, there's no, I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves during the during the lockdown. It's like, well, should it be creative? Shouldn't it be creative? Well, just yeah. do what you want to do. Do what you do feel what comes naturally. Yeah, do yeah, absolutely, mate. Because don't force it. You know, that's it. But, um, have you been in terms of working wise? Because I know, I mean, you with the elders, you do a lot. You do more <laughs> than us. And we do yeah. loads. So, um, yeah, no, so work-wise, it's, it's, it's strange. So my two my two jobs, um, so I work for Manchester City of Literature. Um, right. And that's really, so I'm the community engagement manager there. And what's really interesting is I'd only been in position for five days when we went into lockdown. Oh, straight on furlough. So, no, no, not furlough. It wasn't furlough. It wasn't furlough. It was, it was literally uh, work from home. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we still We've still been working all the way through. Straight, um, same as us, mate. Yeah, Same so it's, cra- it's crazy to have, you know, worked with my colleagues for, for five days. And, you know, the rest of the time, I, I've already seen them for a computer screen. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, again, very similar with 42nd Street. So, we are, again, have worked all the way through, um, yeah. just working remotely. But, yeah, we, we adapt, don't we? Because we have to. Yeah, I love 42nd Street. Yeah. Yeah, I love, love what they do. Um and you're also doing stuff with what's the situation at contact then? Are you one of one of the trustees? you one of the trustees I'm a, I'm now? I'm a former trustee. Changing. Yeah, yes, I'm a I'm a former trustee. So um right. I was a trustee for 10 years. So I just I've just left, wow. just stepped down from the board in November last year. Um yeah, so I was on the board for 10 years. I was chair of the resources committee, um, which is everything to do with the money, the people in the building. So the, the, oh, the, God, really the easy job. <laughs> easy work, yeah. The small <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm now on the board of Apples and Snakes as well, which is a London-based um, poetry and education organisation. Yeah. Oh, is it, can you tell us a little bit about that then? Yeah, so Apples and Snakes, um, they're an organisation that's really dedicated to a number of things, but it's about advancing poetry as an art form. Yeah. Um, and they do that for a, a number of uh, programmes, a number of innovations. Um, they work with schools, they work with young people up and down the country. And they yeah, just really champion that voice of, of poetry and particularly where young people are concerned, they've got a real focus on uh, empowering the next generation of, of poets and spoken word artists. So, yeah. Well, is it, do they have any kind of, I mean, are you doing that up here or are you actually doing that down? No, no. So I'm still based in Manchester. I'm still based right. in Manchester. I'm, I'm a new trustee. I've only been on, I started in February. Right. Um, officially uh, with Apples and Snakes. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm still doing it for Manchester, which is great because of technology. But at some point, yeah, I'll get, yeah, I'll get the chance to jump on the train and go and meet my, uh, my trust, my fellow trustees and stuff at, Apples and snakes, yeah. Are they? Uh, <clears throat> do they just work in the London area? Please? No, no, they, they work nationally. They work right. nationally. They work, yeah, right across, uh, right across the UK. Um, to do lots of kind of partnership um, work with some of the you know biggest poetry organisations or cultural organisations up and down the country. So yeah, it'd be good to. Uh, I'd be interested to be linked up, mate. If they're interested in any collaborations or partnership projects oh, with Manx sure. Spirit in Greater oh, Manchester. I'm sure they will be definitely. 
Well, mate, give us a shout. Any, I will do, we'll I will always do. work with everyone. Do you know Definitely. what I mean? That's what we're about. It's about providing a platform for everybody else. It's whether they'll work with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, say, we're two old, two old blokes. What, what, what do they know about anything? <laughs> No, they'll, they'll, definitely, they'll definitely be up for that because um, a big part of, again, why they approached me to be on the board is around that Northern influence, that they're mindful that, you know, yeah. unfortunately, because London's the capital city, that's where all the noise is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where the talent's coming through. So, yeah, a big part of my work is about, yeah, basically letting them know London's not the only place that's doing it. <laughs> do, do you know what, mate? I think yeah. you get to a certain age. But, I mean, London's, it's, it's its own country. You know, and it is what it is, and it does what it does, and people get caught up in this. I mean, I lived through the 80s, mate, so I lived through Thatcher as his demo, and, you know, when people talk about north-south divides, there was a north-south divide then, uh, and there still is a bit now, I think, but when people go on about it, you just think, well, let's just concentrate on... On, on making our on making Manchester as good as we can possibly make Manchester because it's exactly. far from perfect. Yeah, totally. But, but again, we're not here to compete with anyone. Do you know what I mean? I think it's <sighs> for us just about the same as it ever was. We do what we do. Yeah. And those who we appreciate it really it, well. It, yeah, and those who don't, you know. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. I mean, I, I know you did the you did the stream, um, United We Stream thing, didn't you? Yes, our City Speaks, yeah. Yeah. yeah, how how was that? How did that work out for you? What kind of feedback did you get from from being on there? You know what? We've had some really really good feedback from. Yeah. I mean, lots of the audience, which was really interesting. You know, exciting to see. Um, it's the it's, it's an audience that isn't there usually for poetry, and a lot of yeah. people logged on because they'd seen the stuff that United We Stream had done with you know the Hacienda DJs and your your Dave Haslam type lot. Um, yeah. And and you know again, it, it just happened to be on so like right. You know, I've seen the other United We Stream shows. Let me see what's happening here. And a lot of people said, you know, that's not what I think um, when I, that's not what I imagine when I think of poetry. So it kind of broke a lot yeah. of people's um, misconceptions about what poetry is or what poetry can be um, just because the sheer diversity of, you know, the people that we had on the lineup and on the bill. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, on a personal level, um, you know, performing and hosting was 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 an absolute pleasure. And the feedback- Did a great job, really mate. Positive. The feedback I've had has been really positive and, you know, I've had a few bookings off the back of it. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, I, I you know, we, we're part of, as Manx Spirit, we're one of the 30, along with Contact, one of the 35 organisations that are in the GM um, culture portfolio. Yep. Um, so, you know, in terms of, I mean, you know, Stream GM, uh, United We Stream don't want, to, don't want anything to do with us when we've suggested stuff. We asked them this and no. <laughs> no, because, you know, listen, again, you know, we're all farts and it's kind of like, yeah, the Hacienda, all right, move on. You know, let's <laughs> yeah, do... Yeah. And the only... the the only, and, and I was supportive of it and I shared it because, I, you know, I see what they're doing and everything else. But the only yeah. thing that I... There was a couple of things I tuned in for, uh, specifically, yeah. and, and and your event w- was was definitely one of... A, because it I, I like spoken word and I wanted mm-hmm. to see who else was out there. Dave was on it. Yeah, you know, he's a good mate yep. of mine. He smashed it. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely his, his, smashed his, it. His yeah. videos from that, are the numbers they're getting there, man. He smashed it. He really smashed it. Yeah. I mean, they all they all did. Um, yeah. I mean, I got in touch with I can't remember his name now. The American guy, or is he Canadian? Um, he's not American. He's, he's Jamaican. You talk about Damani. Damani, yeah, Damani. Is he Jamaican? He's actually Jamaican. So this is the misconception. So Damani, um, is Jamaican. He's actually Jamaican. Um, and he's been in yeah, he's been in the UK since he was seven or eight. Yeah, but he's he's from Jamaica. 
But ah, um, right. what's really interesting is, is that, you know, we think of Jamaican um, accents and we think of Sebastian from, you know, from The Little Mermaid and that's the accent. And if it's not that, yeah. <laughs> we don't get it. But no, he's, 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 he's Jamaican. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, because I dropped him. I, I mean, I dropped him a line. I don't normally. I don't normally do that. I don't want you know. Yeah. I'm not like a fanboy. And it was like, yeah, mate, you're good. And yeah. He was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely. That's definitely the vibe. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I like you. I like you. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the the idea behind um that that great mank pod in terms of a, of, a, of a podcast is greater manchester's community podcast and we set it up with a little bit of funding from the national lottery to to promote um across greater manchester community groups charities people doing really good stuff in the communities that don't necessarily shout about what they're doing yeah um and as part of that was was also about supporting creatives because that's everything that we do at mank made that's what's yeah. that about you know we've got mank made productions and we do the podcast and stuff so we approached yeah. Carlin because they've got a a made local uh, community fund, uh, which actually does really good stuff in the community. And we basically said, for the creatives that are out there, and I'm thinking, you know, musicians, spoken word, that's who were gigging in pubs, clubs, open mics, obviously yep. not been able to. So let's try and do something that's a bit more lo-fi than United with Stream, seeing as they won't let us use the platform. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, that's, you know, that, that let's go out to people and just, you know, have a chat and, you know, just get them to perform the stuff, really. And hopefully, you know, like I keep saying, you know, we're not Sky. Um, you know, we've got, a, in terms of online, we've got a really good engagement across all the, um, across all the uh, platforms that we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Great Man Pod, you know, we were 55 in the iTunes charts last week. So we're really, and that's, oh, you know, wow. that relationship is allowing us to bump it. So hopefully more people will listen to what you're doing. And even if it's not the actual performance, a lot of the people we're speaking to are involved in other things. And you know, you listen, mate, yeah. you know better than I, you never know what's going to come out of it. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's the idea of it. I mean, were, were you doing a lot of were you doing a lot of open mic? I was doing lots of live performances. I'd say yeah. um, prior to kind of the pandemic striking, and I think um, I think a lot of a lot of artists can kind of feel the same in that. Again, we all had projects that were due to come out, whether that's new EPs, whether that's you know publications, whether that's just brand new material to perform and showcase. Mm. And then it was like, right, you can't do that anymore unless you've got really good internet. Uh, <laughs> and you know yeah, we all up, found that out really quickly <laughs> exactly and you're up for being sat in your loft you know what i mean and doing it there um yeah. no but everything changed overnight so uh, yeah i'd say for me yeah it was it's been a challenge in that way but it's also been it's actually been refreshing because yeah and it's what i've been talking about with a lot of artists is sometimes you don't get the chance to take stock of what what do you want to do next creatively or projects wise because you're in the thick of it yeah. and you know if, if you've got bookings coming in or if, if you're a poet and you're working in schools and getting workshops and stuff. You don't think, you know, what can I do to enhance my artwork? What can I do next? You know, or even have, you know, a period of time where I've got two or three evenings a week to sit and write poetry. That's, that's like unheard of in my creative career. Yeah. That yeah, is unheard yeah. Of because it's, it's, it's unheard of. You know, most people's life, people got busy lives. This is it. You know, and you, you got to find time to be creative. Absolutely. Um, so I think in that way, it slowed everyone down, but it, as a result of it, it's also made us appreciate how precious the art form is. Yeah. I think that's the case for a lot of people that, you, you know, you don't miss the thing until you're able to get on stage and perform. Um, 
Have you been, have you have you have you written quite a bit of stuff during lockdown? Because I've written, written loads. Yeah. So what I did, right. I took the opportunity. I put a funding bid in myself uh, to the Arts Council. Oh, so good lad. Arts Council. Because um, again, I've been I've been writing and performing um, for for over well over ten years now. Yeah. Um, but I've not got a collection of poetry yet. I've got I've got an EP out there. I've got you know singles out there. I've got stuff I do with my music. But as as an actual poet, I've not got a collection out yet. And I was like, we need to fix that. Yeah. So um, and again, before the pandemic. You know, I wouldn't have said, um, let me put a bid in and sit down and spend some time to write a book because I was busy with bookings and workshops and doing what you're doing. Sometimes when things are going fine, you know, you don't. And again, I'll speak for me. Let me not speak for anyone else. Sometimes you lose a bit of ambition because everything's going fine. and You don't think about what's next. Mm. Um, So when the pandemic kind of started, I was like, you know what? I'm finding myself writing a lot more simply because I've got the time to do it. Um, Yeah, let's 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 kind of um, consolidate that and spend a bit of time and putting together a collection. So yeah, I've been working on my collection. As, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, did you, were you successful in that bid? I was, I was successful. Yeah, I was oh, successful. Great so news, I've got some mate. funding, got some really good, yeah, some, some really support, uh, great support from the Arts Council. Right. Um, and I've got a great mentor on board and I'll be working with um, Roger Robinson, who is a fantastic poet. Look, if you don't know who he is, check him out. Um, he, yeah, he's a T.S. Eliot uh, award winner, um, forward literature prize winner. He's a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. Wow. Absolutely amazing poet, spectacular poet, and a really nice guy as well. So he's mentoring me and kind of um, giving me some workshops on on, on uh, the poems that I'm putting together. Um, and in October, I'm going to do a sharing at Contact for a live audience. So, yeah, that's all. Wow. Yeah. Right, okay. So that's booked in then, October. Is is yeah. I've not, got, I've not got a date confirmed, but it's going to be in October. So you've used your contacts at contact. Exactly. <laughs> exactly to be honest, mate, I was hoping you'd say that. I've had that written down here. Contact, contact. Take that one off now. Reese, yeah. can I just ask, actually, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a sigh. I mean, obviously, I, I've been working in the community sector a long time, and I spent yeah. and your name's come up a few times. You know, like this, uh, there's probably about 30 people in Manchester that you, the names yeah. come up a lot, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what other what community apart from doing the trustee stuff? What community based projects have you been involved in? I've, that you're proud I've of? Worked, I've worked on loads. So a lot of people who know me will know me um, through my work with Young Identity. So um, if you don't know Young Identity, it's a fantastic uh, charity that's dedicated to advancing poetry and love and appreciation of poetry amongst young people in Manchester. Yeah. So I started off as a member of Young Identity back in two thousand and seven. So I started off as a participant. Um, started volunteering with the project and then kind of got into bits of mentoring and, and doing workshops. Eventually um, became a big part of the behind, you know, behind the scenes team, really. So helping to raise funding, helping to deliver the project itself. Um, so a lot of people that know my work associate me with that. Um, kind of something that was a part of Young Identity was the Wordsmith Award. So we'd go into school and deliver slam-based poetry in schools. Um, so often in some of the most deprived areas, we go and work with young people and kind of empower them and, and help them find their voice. Um, and on top of that, I've done lots of work uh, with contact on a project in particular called The Agency, um, which is based in Moston and Harper Hay. Um, and The Agency is all about empowering young people to develop uh, projects that have community change at the heart of it and social change. At the is heart that of the one based at Harper Hay Neighbourhood Project? Uh, it is, yes. Yeah. So it's based at the Harper Hay Neighbourhood Project <clears> and also based at the Miners. Um, so big shout oh, out to Lou. Lou. Yeah, big shout over uh, out to Lou, the miners. Yes, over at a, miners. I've, been, I've just um, I've been doing some consultancy work for the last two years to save that Harper uh, Centre. We've oh, just got all the funding for them. Brilliant. brilliant so that's yeah. the cafe's been built, the kitchen's yes. been built, it's been redeveloped. But that's that's a bid that I was did. Ah, oh. 
So once once this all sort of reopens, that'll be a fantastic venue to, yeah. to extend your projects. You know, oh, absolutely, I mean? absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I've worked on that agency project now for coming up to eight years. It's going to be eight years soon. Wow, seven years. It's going to be seven years soon. Yeah. So I've been working on that project for for a while. So again, mentally... it's really well attended, mate. And there's a there's a lot of the young people in that area that wouldn't have any opportunity this is to attend that and. What a fantastic mix of Absolutely. people, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Some of the projects that come out of the project are, are phenomenal. And I think, you know, you can't underestimate what can be accomplished just, just when you give um, young people or the community itself an opportunity to make a change. Like, you, you can't underestimate what can be accomplished just by saying to somebody, what dream do you have for your community? Yeah. What do you want to change? And, like, okay, let's go and do it. It's that, cu- it's that cultural sharing stuff, Reese, yeah. that I try and get into a lot of my projects. And the best things to gather people around mm. from all different backgrounds is food, mm. music, yeah. and, and the arts. So, Culture. so when you're That's using it. stuff like that, all them barriers have just fell down and people are sharing rather than finding, well, finding what's in common rather than what's... Exactly. Different, yeah. you know what I mean? Exactly. It's all about, you know, you know, we we've said this in everything we've ever done. It's all about opportunities, just giving yeah. people those opportunities, whether they take them up or not. Well, that's that's down to them. Totally. But you, you never you never know what's going to come out of it. You, you know, and there's been some absolute gems just because they've seen somebody. I mean, you know, how many how many people have seen you perform and go? Who've probably gone? I can do better than that. Yeah, which is inspiring to me, 100%, you know. Of course it is. I mean, you don't want to create competition for yourself, Reese. at the end of the uh, day, but you know what? I'm I, sure I, you are. The, the thing is, again, it's really interesting because I think probably more than any other art form, um, poetry, I, I don't believe in competition in that way. I think that... Yeah. I, I, think, I think that anyone that offers, obviously, poetry as, as, as their art form is competition in that way. Of course, somebody could book somebody else over me. But my perspective is as long as somebody's booking somebody, I'm good yeah. with that. And as long as every person that is, you know, being platformed is, you know, developing their craft and they're dedicated to the craft and they're working hard as possible to push push it forward as an art form, I've got nothing negative to say, man. I'm, I'm good with that. And I think likewise, you know, we're only as good as our successors. So I think for me, you know, as a poet, um, what's really important to me is in 10 years time, the young people that I've mentored and I've been a part of their journey, for them to surpass me and to be doing amazing things and to be winning awards and them to be household names, that would give me just as much pleasure as it would if, you know, I got to a place where I'm in those conversations, you know? Can, can you, I mean, I know it's not always easy to, to, to name names, but yeah. are, are there any any up-and-coming talent that, that you've been involved oh. in that we should know about? Oh, there's, there's loads, man. There's loads. Yeah, there's loads. In, in Manchester alone, let alone going to kind of your Londons and your Birminghams, Manchester's got some fantastic poets coming through. Yeah. Um, Jado Rodriguez, he was part of the Our City Speaks event. Yeah. Um, he's a fantastic poet and, and a fantastic MC as well. So he he, show, he raps as well as as, as um, doing his spoken word and his poetry. Um, he's a fantastic poet. Um, another poet called Ella Otamewo. She's originally from, um, from Birmingham, but we've adopted her as a manc now because she's been here for... <laughs> For five years for kind of university and stuff. Yeah. Um, again, she's a fantastic poet. Um, Isaiah Hull, um, a lot of people have heard of him. He's um an amazing poet. I think for me, probably the most unique voice in in in, the, in poetry in the UK. And that's a big, a big claim. But if you read his collection of poetry, he's got a, a book called um, Nosebleeds that came out in 2019. If 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 you read that collection, you'll see why I say that he's such a 
you, you need he? talent. He's 22 now, Isaiah. Yeah, so he's, he's still young. Um, oh, that talented at 22. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. To be to be that talent, that twenty two, something else. Um, there's loads. There's a there's a poet um, called Ali Al Jamri, who's again based in Manchester. He's of Bahraini heritage. Um, he's doing fantastic work, really multilingual work. I envy him because he's able to write really well in in yeah. a number a number of languages. So uh, <laughs> uh, shout him out, Roma Havers again, fantastic poet. Um, again, she came from Reading. That's originally where where she's from. Yeah, um, they, they all come from somewhere, don't they? I mean, it it, it seems to and this day yeah, that's the big the big thing is that this day they're drawn to Manchester. I don't. It's not the weather. No, it's really <laughs> not. <laughs> it's really not. Um, Saf El Sanosi again. Saf's a poet of um of Kenyan and Sudanese um heritage. Yeah. Um, fantastic poet. He's been supported by MIF at the minute, so he's developing some music as well. Good. Um, so he's a bit similar to to, to Jardel in that. Again, he's got a few strings to his bow. Um, he was a finalist for um, the Apple, the Words of First uh, projects, which was the BBC uh, Radio One Extra and the BBC Asian Network um, right. event. That kind of it's a talent search for kind of the best young up and coming poets from up and down the country. So Jardel um, was part of that. He was in a he was a finalist, as was Saf, and then also the previous year Esther Kosh again, who's a South Audian. So yeah, there's there's so many amazing poets coming through. I, I, we need a whole podcast just for me to shout out the people who I think are doing. Mate, it's encouraging. I can hear the excitement in your voice. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, um, that your art, you know, something that you you take a lot of pride in, is suddenly. We were saying this only yesterday to someone else about like Biden's inauguration. That girl was absolutely yeah, Amanda well. Gorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was nice. And yeah, you got she's... Dave the poet, and you got you know this. It seems to be spoken word seems to be coming to the fore a lot more. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, I think. I think I tweeted something the other day, and it got me thinking because what's really what what's really exciting is that I'm seeing that diversity of voices coming through. Yeah. Um. So, and again, this is not a Manchester context. This is called more of a national context. So you've got people like Caleb Femi, who um released a collection of poetry called Poor, which has won all these awards. And I think for me, he's probably the most beautiful debut collection of poetry I've ever read. Who's who's that? Again? Sorry, Caleb. Caleb Femi. Caleb Femi. Um. Yeah. And his collection is spectacular. And again, he's published by Penguin, which, you know, historically at least, to, you know, that's that's obviously such a powerful press. And to see them yeah. take the voice of, you know, young black London and showcase it in that kind of way is really exciting. And you've got your Yomi, Yomi Sode, Yomi Greeds, um, who again, he's just announced this week that he's got a collection coming out with with Penguin as well. That's going to come out early I mean, next I year. I don't know if, they, I mean, I shouldn't imagine they've been in touch with you, but do, do you know that Harper North have opened up? Yes, yeah, 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 they do, yeah, so I've come, yeah. I've come across them, yeah, they're part of um, the partnership network of Manchester City of Literature, so yeah, I've had a chance to have a chat with, um, with their team, they're lovely guys, they're really, really nice people. Well, when they moved in, they got in touch, and I, I did it, you know, I was obviously pushing them as much as I could, and I love the fact, because, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a little bit cynical, I'm a mank, what can I say? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, well, no, it's about Northern Voices and blah, so it was like, okay, so we had a chat, and it was like, right, yeah, no, you're really, you're really doing this. Yeah, you're really doing it, and you're setting up in Manchester. And it now, I, I did ask them at the time. I said, "Are you are you looking for um, spoken word is, poetry?" Yeah. And and they were, and this was a little while back. They weren't at the time because they, were, you know, the, the, it's a commercial thing. So they were looking yes. for 
I think it was fiction, um, fiction and fiction um, stuff and stuff. But but children's fiction and stuff. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, but, but it is something that they're going to look at. And I said, well, I tell you what, you're not you're not going to be short of you're in the right place people in, in this place. No, absolutely not. Yeah, but but what 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 I think for me, and it's, it's funny, I tweeted it the other day, which kind of wrapped up my thoughts. I think that we're we're approaching a point in in kind of British culture where our kids in playgrounds are going to be talking about their favourite poems and favourite poetry collections in the same breath as they're talking about, you know, who do you support? Are you a red or are you a blue? You know what I mean? Well, I know I prefer Keisha Thompson's poetry. You know, I'm well, I'm a fan of Isaiah Hulls. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Shirley May's work. You know what I mean? I think we're a lot closer to that stage than I think any time I felt in my career or as, as, a, as a writer or as someone who reads poetry and kind of consumes it as an audience member. Well, listen. I mean, I I probably got. I mean, I never thought not that many years ago that I'd say, "Oh, my speak, my favorite spoken word artist is my favorite poet is or whatever." Yeah. But, you know, I I got switched on to it probably with Dave. Yeah, yeah. When, when he when he first kicked off to it, and he, he's got that piece that my nana calls me cock. Yes, yeah, which, yeah. Which you know, for men, for block, you know, for, not for men, for people of a certain age from from this part, uh, yeah. it, you know it. You recognise that term, but I I've played that and I've had my I've got three boys and I've had my youngest kind of sat near me and, and it, you know and it's like my nana eyes. calls me cat and you can see his eyes go like like his eyes like oh and he's going, what what and you have to spend the next ten minutes going no it's the term of endearment son yeah but that yeah. kind of thing really that particular piece really resonated with me it breaks it breaks down yeah. those boundaries doesn't it because and again I'm, I'm not I'm not having a jab at the education system. Well, I am, but not, not. Yeah, should do. Go for it, Reese. We but, do it all the time, mate. The thing, the thing is, if you, okay, from the ages of what, say we start reading poetry at 12 in, in terms of high school, when it's yeah. serious, from the age of 12 to 16, you put poetry that broadly speaking is inaccessible in front yeah. of young people. By the time they get to 16, they despise the stuff because they've had to learn about iambic pentameter. They've had to yeah. learn about quatrains and, and terser and, and stanzas and all this really technical stuff, which absolutely is essential to the craft of poetry. But the technicality has come before the love. Yeah. And so there's very few people that leave high school like, oh my God, poetry is my favourite. When have you ever heard someone say, I'm looking forward to doing my poetry exam? You've yeah. never heard anybody say that. Um, but I think we're getting better with that because if you look at the poets that are on the curriculum now, you've got your Jacob Samler Rosses on there, you've got your Imtiaz Darkers on there, you've got you know, um, your Joel Taylor's, et cetera. You've got, you're getting a lot more diversity in, in kind of what, what is poetry. But I think that, yeah, we, 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 there's so much work, more work to do with that in terms of changing that perception. And that's yeah. why people like Dave are worth their weight in gold as kind of ambassadors of the art form, because the average kid, they think of poetry straight away. They think of Shakespeare. And again, I'm not knocking Shakespeare. I think Shakespeare's amazing. I think Shakespeare is a pioneer, is revolutionary, et cetera. But is he accessible? Probably not to, you know what I mean? You is work the art accessible, mate? We have this conversation all the time. Yeah. You know, the art, is the art accessible? No, it's not. Yep. You know, all, all the, you know, all the Ferrari about, um, you know, and, and a lot of people in the arts and culture have been treated, mm. you know, terribly. But when you know, people, talking, well, people were talking about theatres and, you know, the th- and, and people weren't queuing round the block to save theatres. Why? Because they don't mean anything to them. That's it. It's funny, I, I tell this story as often as I, as I can get the chance. I remember one of my earliest performances with Young Identity. We performed at, um, at the town hall for this, this swanky function. Yeah. We've got up and we've performed our words. You know, you've felt dead proud and you get your round of applause and you feel good. 
And I remember coming off stage and we're speaking to some of the, the attendees at the event. And somebody asked, you know, did you write that yourself? And like the tone of like patronization in it, mm. it just like poured water over that energy you felt of performing a poem. And I think it really speaks to that elitism and that um, often snobbery that exists in the arts that, you know, you can see someone Jealousy, mate. A poem and you can ask them, did you write it or where did you find it? And, you know, I was so tempted to say, I found, you know, I found it in a Christmas cracker. Do you know what I mean? Or it was, <laughs> you know, Lem says he left it lying around, so I nicked it off him. Do you know what I mean? But no, there's that, um, yeah, there's still that, that snobbery, but I think we're breaking that down. We're definitely breaking that down. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing an amazing job yourself doing that, mate, as is Dave, as is Dave Viney, as is, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, everyone. Lem says, Keisha Thompson, yeah, Shirley made There's so many people that are doing that are doing it and dedicated to that work, yeah. Can 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 you do us? Can you do some stuff for us? You want a poem? Of course, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to read a new poem for you guys. Give me a second. I'll dig, oh, dig exclusive. a new one. Exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah, you can get an exclusive. Um, Reese, what we'll do? We'll go on mute when you read it, mate. So it don't. It gets better quality on the recording. No worries. Um, give us a second. I will dig it up. So, like I said, I'm working on um a collection of poetry at the moment. Um, and the kind of working title for the collection is This Kind of Black. Um, and it kind of explores a, a number of things. So it's that element of being, you know, a black male from Manchester, of Caribbean heritage, but again, of mixed heritage. Um, and it's, it's speaking to that misconception that there's a, there's a singular black identity that, you know, if you're black, you must listen to hip hop. If you're black, you must be into this and you must be into that. Yeah. And it's trying to pin down what are some of those nuances of of being black in a context we've not heard before in that northern voice in that yeah no mate you've chosen an easy subject there haven't so, you <laughs> so many so many different life experiences that kind of feed into that um so i'm going to read a, a poem from there it's really important that you're actually doing that Reese, and i'll say because i've done a lot of work around moss i've done a lot of work around moston and stuff like that and it is that generalism you know that these yeah. these communities within communities within communities and if you don't actually dig down and go and actually talk to people and ask them what their beliefs, what their what things are important to them, you'll never find out. Do you know what I mean? You really I'm won't. Just going in thinking, I'm a missionary and I know everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 100%. So, yeah, I'm going to read um, this poem for you guys. And the, the, the title for this poem is um, There Are Symptoms That We Have Learned To, dip, to Live With. Um, and the poem is about poverty. And, again, you know, Marcus Rashford's doing some fantastic work about poverty. And... Um, some of the work he's doing and some of the conversations I've been having with friends kind of led me to think about what is poverty and what does poverty look like? Because aside from the people that, you know, Rashford's helping and the campaigns are helping, there are people that experience what I call functional poverty and kind of reflecting on my upbringing. I'd say we would, we definitely experienced, we lived functional poverty um, and I wrote a poem about it. It's called, um, there are symptoms that we have learned to live with. There are symptoms we have learned to live with because poverty is a tax on your free time. It is a Saturday morning sleep ride with your grandma on the 53 to Dickey Road Market, because poverty is one or the other. One being free chickens for £10, and the other being no chicken at all, because surviving poverty is opportunism. My other nana was a horologist, versed in the hours of yellow sticker reductions, because poverty is a well-lived routine. It is the muscle memory of eating economy branded crisps with hands concealing the evidence because poverty is a playground punchline 
It's the one about your mum being so broke, she bought a Big Mac on tick. Because poverty is microeconomics. It is to choose bottles of black grape instead of cans, always. Because poverty knows an open can cannot be saved for later. And you have to make good things stretch. Because poverty sets like lactic acid. It is Nike trainers and Helly Hansen coats, cocked with dad's drug money. Because poverty is complicated like that. It is always having enough for tithes. The tenfold division of zero equaling one. Because poverty offers its first fruits to God. It is the cabinet of unused glassware gathering dust onto itself in a dining room. Because this kind of poverty hides this kind of poverty. It is the habit of not asking. The forensic interrogation of need and pride. Because poverty is suffering with a guilt complex. There you go. Wow, great piece, mate. So yeah, yeah. that's one of my, my newer poems. Yeah, yeah, that hits home. Yeah, so yeah, that's the, the collection's kind of about that. It's exactly that. It's it's, it's those gaps. It's those, um, those intersections. You know, yeah. is where things meet and where sometimes things are not spoken about enough. Well, it's so, that, so it's them barriers. It's the invisible barriers. Some some are obvious, and people yeah. talk about them all the time. And mm. how many projects as you know do we? Oh, we've come in to do this survey because of this barrier, that barrier. It's like you're talking shite. You know. Yeah. It's the economic prison. It's the fact that people don't have the opportunity to move out of the area. That's you know, it. There's no walls. That's it. But there is, really. You know, if yep. you come out of there, then you'll get judged. I mean, I, I picked up there the the habit of not asking and the muscle memory. It's yeah. it's drilled into you that hard that you don't feel worthy in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we, we, there's so many, we think about um, wealth and finance and there's all these platitudes that we hear, which is, you know, um, money can't buy happiness and people say things like money can't buy happiness as as a way of saying well it doesn't matter that you're poor because even if you was rich you know you wouldn't know what to do with it and it, it's yeah. like that's an excuse for how capitalism works that it doesn't matter that somebody and some people in this world have enough money you know that if they never worked again a day in their life and their children's 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 children never worked a day in their life they'd still live the most comfortable life known to man it doesn't matter that you who does free jobs and you know and there's a line in there at the beginning where I say it's a tax on your time because I was thinking about yeah. again my gran and my mum you know doing their jobs they, they, my gran would get free free buses to get to one job that pays you know probably not particularly well but she'd get free buses to go to work so any opportunity to you know, to upskill or to go and do a course well, who's got time for that if you've you know you've travelled an hour and a half to go and work you know and that, that, that's poverty for you That that's exactly what it is it's those lack of opportunities and it's that tax on your time it's and you're tired and people i mean it used to, you know me and paul have grown up in very similar areas as you reese and it's like i say now uh, growing up in clayton nobody around me had fuck all right yeah. Yeah. so we had nothing to compare it against because i yeah. went to school in Gort and i hung around with lads from moston and openshaw and yeah. none of us had anything so yeah. you know there was no Nothing to compare at all. As you grow up and you start moving out of them areas, you go, hang on a minute, why wasn't I given that chance? Yeah. You know, so I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be saying we were we were pretty much struggling. We were like most people back in, you know, when I was growing up, but I mean, we did, certainly didn't have any any luxuries. Um, but, I, I, you know, I do, th I, I mean, personally, I think it's worse now. Yeah. I mean, it's that phrase, where it just absolutely gets me when people say it, the working poor. Yeah. 
and and you just think, how does that work then? Like you, you work your ass off, and you're still not able to support yourself. It's it's, just, it's sad, isn't it? It's sad, yeah, crazy, and it's sad because the, the, the poorest people that I know often the ones that work the hardest. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> and they're also yeah. working in the economy where you know maybe they don't have the. Uh, you know, they're working in shitty conditions. That's it. Lots of them working in hospital. I mean, you know, all this, the, the play about hospitality in Manchester. I, mm. I couldn't, you listen, I know, I know quite a few of the people who own places in Manchester and they're nice people. Mm. But do I care that a really big restaurant might go under? No, not really. Not. Do I care that the people working in that restaurant might lose the job to do? 100%. Do I think that when hospitality hospitality opens, the first thing that a lot of these places will do, and there's some really good ones, but a lot of the ones that aren't so good will do is turn around and say, you know what, we're not going to pay you minimum wage. We're going to pay you a better wage. Mm. And, you know, we're not going to put you on, uh, just give you a buzz when we want you to come in and work for Zero us. Zero-hour contracts yeah. and all that nonsense. Yeah. They won't. They won't no. do it. Because that's not how business works, unfortunately. No. Well, listen, that that's for another day, isn't it? I mean, you know, they could they can make changes. They can make it's just another excuse to say, well, we've we've all really and I'm not just picking on them, but a lot of the lower paying jobs are in that industry. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely. But and again, that's why people didn't feel a, a really big I don't think. A lot a lot of people weren't. Oh, I can't go into Manchester and have me five course meal, right? That wasn't even no. in my no. In my reasoning, what have I missed about the city centre? Yeah, a lot. Very little. Very little. Yeah. yeah, the things you've missed is going to a concert, isn't it? The things you've missed is the culture part of it. Yeah, I've missed Just going, going to having a coffee and talking to people. You know, meeting yeah. up with Paul, our kid, Vine, um, yeah. whatever, and talk about projects and what you're doing, and the just having a yeah. coffee and just saying that, or having a pint and saying that, mate. That's that's what I miss. Yeah. Not, well, we're in the charity world. What what we miss is being able to go out, and you know, we, you know, when we're looking to build, I mean, everything's over Zoom. You can only you can only achieve so much over Zoom. You need to be in, especially when you're trying to get money off people. You you need to be in a room with them, and you need to look them in the eye and say, right, this is what we're doing. Can you support Absolutely. us? Yes or no? Uh, and you, and you know, you pretty you know pretty much pretty quickly whether or not that's going to happen, don't you? And then you can just say, right. Okay, see you and move on to the next one, but hopefully that'll change. But listen, Reese, I'd love you to, if you can, I'd love you to do more stuff because I want to try and fit these. And it doesn't all have to be the new stuff either. Obviously, don't. Sure. Don't, um, yeah, know, sure, man. I've got, yeah, I've got. I like your work. The great yeah. thing for us is everyone, a- everyone says, oh, there's no there's no live performances anymore. There's no theatre. Me and him go, we do it every day. <laughs> 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 so it's purely selfish, mate. I'm not I'm not going to, you know, because I like your stuff. So not going to Oh, lie. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. So then, yeah, I'll read. I will read a few more poems for you guys. So this one um, is called Cut. Um, and it's about, yeah, it's about my relationship with, with, with the barber, um, which is funny to say, as somebody who has no hair these days, but um, yeah, I'll read it and maybe I'll chat a little bit about it afterwards. So this is um, a poem dedicated to Calvin Paul Hilton, who's my first ever barber. Part one. He held still growing crown beneath one hand of arched fingers, like a claw crane clasping a teddy in an arcade and cut, cut away almost 14 months of Samson. I'm told I never flinched. Never cut across the barbershop 
chatter with a cry. Never forced my go-to father to bury the newest diamond of his eye into the chair. Two. The summer my mother cut my pocket money on account of me turning 16. I find myself here at least once a week. These cuts will wear your hairline redundant, she warns. But this church offers testosterone and regified Celine Dion. The safest place I could cut through the estate to when I heard my friend had died. A five pound trim. The summer I learnt to appreciate bargains. Three. The week before my 29th birthday, I told him to cut it all. To induct me into Team Malteser. I remember watch him shaking his head. A three-year winter had cut a cul-de-sac of my hairline, amongst other cuts made in the austerity I survived. When he is finished and I am brushed clean, I tell Paul, it's his best haircut to date. And I mean it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Team Malteser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Where were you born yeah. in Manchester? I was born in uh, St. Mary's. So, um, yeah. spent Same my childhood mate. between Chal- between Charlton and and on my side. That's kind of yeah, my, the majority of my childhood. Yeah, um, and I'm based up in North Manchester. I live in Crumpsall these days. So yeah, Crumpsall. Yeah, know it well. Yeah, spent a fair bit of time in Crumpsall. That posh realm there now, isn't that the new new Islington? <laughs> it's, it's totally posh. Yeah, really posh, man. Really, really posh coffee shops and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, street cafes. It's, it's, no, it's, it's not. It's not. Weird place, Crumpsall. It's because not it, a cafe. It's a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's some massive, massive houses up there. Because yeah. I think a lot of people, when when they had the money back in the day, uh, lived around Crumpsall. Yeah, there's a lot of big houses around there, isn't there? It's, yeah, it's a weird one. That's the same with Longside and Side and stuff like that. That that was the the posh area with the big houses, and then when they couldn't afford yeah. them anymore, they split them all up into bed sits, you yeah. know. And that's that was yeah. the cycle. It's coming round again now. The pop it property prices around there are going through the roof. You know what I mean? That's why Nello James suddenly become very, uh, you know, they wanted the land. That's it. Um, yeah, that's going on it. all over, isn't it? It is. Um, you want another one? Give me love one to. more for you guys. Yeah, love to, mate. All right. So this next one is called um, 12 Rounds of Pops. Um, and it's about my, my, my dad who passed away. Um, but it's about our relationship through boxing. So he, he kind of got me into boxing. Um, so my love of boxing comes from my dad. Um, you box. And it's, uh, I do bits and pieces. I, I train. I don't I don't compete, but I train. Um, right. I was trained before the pandemic and we were able to get to gyms and stuff like that. But um yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just a um, yeah, it's a really it's an important part of my life. I love to watch boxing. I love to to train when I get the chance and stuff. But it's about our relationship and some of the words that he shared when we trained together. Um, so twelve round with pops, um, and it's a series of haikus. So it's twelve haikus um, reflecting on my relationship with that. Twelve rounds with pops. One. Most men try boxing, take a shot, put down their gloves, and learn the guitar. Two, you shouldn't explode with every punch you throw. Save gas for later. Three, forget what you've seen Mike Tyson do on TV. You're not that bad. Yet. Four, make the whole car strong. Abs are a lick, but don't skip sit-ups for the soul. Five, back against the ropes 
is not your chin on the floor. Hit, hold, hit and hold. Six, this kind of science will not be second nature on the first attempt. Seven, now you're getting it, but shake the complacency. Bang, suck a punch to gut. Eight, a fighter thinks of their next punch, but a boxer sees combinations. Nine, the target to hit stands behind your enemy. Punch through both of them. 10. Championship rounds are won when you fear only your own potential. 11. We don't need towels for sweat, blood or throwing in. Bad man no watch fierce. 12. When violence was distinct necessity, he championed peace. There you go. Yeah. Wow, mate. That's amazing. I uh, yeah. I mean, same here. You know, my my love of boxing, although it's not there so much nowadays. But you know, when I was growing up with with, with Tyson and and you know, mm-hmm. fighting at three o'clock in the morning, so you, you'd stay <laughs> you'd stay up to be <laughs> ding ding round one bump over yeah. then to bed. Yeah. But yeah, my love of boxing was was through my dad. Yeah. Yeah. No, my my dad got into it quite early. So obviously, growing up in Moss Side and at a time when you you had to be handy, you had to be able to look after yourself. He kind of got into it um, and it opened lots of doors for him. So he, he got the chance to meet Muhammad Ali. So he met Muhammad Ali in yeah. the late eighties, was was life-changing thing because it was his hero. Where um, did he meet him? He met him in Stratford. So I think he was doing a tour. Oh, he, he did something at the Stratford Arndale. There's a really right, big yeah. picture of it. Yeah, he opened up one of the shops that's, in the Stratford Arndale. It's true. They were opening the... It was opening yeah. a burger place at one point, and I actually, um, yeah, Manchester City. I was in McDonald's on the corner of Oxford Road down there at the bottom, and you walked in and you got to get some food. You think, well, who are all these people? What's going on here? He was getting a McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had his answer eyes. There was about forty people hanging off him, if you know what I mean, and it was just a bit yeah. unnerving. I was thinking, you know, because he wasn't yeah. a well man at the time and stuff, and I was thinking, no. are these yeah. like angers on or are these actually supportive? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so then, um, yeah, my dad, he got into security um, and he ended up, this is this is like a, a story I love to tell, he ended up becoming Mike Tyson's bodyguard when he was in the UK. Did he? So, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that was so, a very um, easy job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I remember because... <laughs> easiest, easiest day's work ever. <laughs> Obviously, some of those stories might have to keep, might have to be kept secret. I remember that, that, and it is a pretty famous thing, when he was staying at the Midland, wasn't he? That's right. Nice That's and right. yeah, and they were all queuing, and he, he, he was he was like the queen, <laughs> you know, when they opened one yeah, of the it, it, and he's out there waving to everyone. That was just yeah. was he was it Bruno, wasn't it? It was when he was fighting Bruno he came over, I think. What did Bruno fight? Yeah, so I can't the, remember now. No, Bruno Bruno went Bruno. So what the, the story goes is Bruno went to Vegas to fight him. Yeah. And the second time they fought in, I believe it was New York. Um, Madison Square Gardens, but but what it was when when Tyson retired, he started to do the talking circuit, didn't he? So he'd do his you know his public speaking as it were, and he'd go and you know um, at the time he was doing also refereeing for Cage Rage. So when kind of MMA started to take off in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, he came to the UK as part of that, and that's where my dad yeah was looking after him and stuff like that. So he's going up and down Did the country and all these. I I didn't, and the the, the thing that's hilarious was um. So my brother's got to meet him. My brother's had breakfast with Mike Tyson. Oh. 
I couldn't make it because I had an I had a GCSE exam on exactly the same morning. What was the exam? Do you remember? I feel like saying it. I feel like saying it was media studies. Oh, that's not important. Like it was, it's, <laughs> not, that it's, not, it's not a real but, qualification. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. But but knowing my dad as he as he was, he, he would never say to me, "You're missing an exam." If school is oh, no, important, no, no. you know what I mean. You can all do your college stuff and whatever. But yeah, uh, my brothers all had breakfast in Mike Tyson. So. <laughs> uh-huh. What What do you think of the? Uh, I, I mean, I think they've get, they're getting it on, aren't they? With uh, uh, Holyfield. No, I mean Hol- Holyfield was my big hero back in the day. Holyfield when he fought Bo, those three yes. fights which some of the most special, yeah, vicious, special. toe-to-toe. He's like he's watching fight. a Rocky fight. His it? fights with his fight with Lewis as well, man. His fight with Lewis yeah. was something else. Yeah, literally, yeah, that's just bomb each other. And whoever's standing is the is the strongest. <laughs> but that was that was proper boxing. Oh, God, I really do sound like an old fart now. But I must was... admit, Paul, I, I stayed up for the uh, that Tyson thing they did recently when he when he come out of retirement and all that. And the best thing on it was Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't see the boy stayed up for it. The the boy boy fight, yeah. Yeah. Snoop Dogg was, was brilliant. The rest of it was like, oh my God, what, am I, what have I stayed the up for? The commentary was hilarious. Well, yeah, the commentary was hilarious. Well, I, did, I didn't know anything. I just said, you know, what was the best thing about it? And he went, Snoop Dogg. And I thought, what have you been watching? <laughs> I thought you'd stayed up so much the boxing. Yeah. So, yeah, so what, you were going to ask about AJ and... AJ, you know I mean? that was it, AJ, yeah, and the Gypsy King. You know what? Very, very good fight. Yeah. Very. I, I genuinely believe it's as close as a 50-50 fight as possible. I think that lots of people will say, um, and I think rightfully so that Tyson is the better boxer. If we're talking about yeah. pure skill and the discipline of hitting and not getting hit, I think that Fury's the better boxer. I'm never going to deny that. Do I think it's heavy? Everyone's saying he's going to wipe the floor with AJ. You know, it's no. I, I don't. I don't believe that for a second. I think that yeah. it's rather that happens in heavyweight boxing anyway in, in the modern times because heavyweights these days have to be well-rounded fighters. It's no longer the case that. If you're the biggest and you're the strongest, that you win. You don't see a lot of lumps now. Don't see any lumps now. You've got to be athletic, even as a heavyweight. You've got to be athletic. You've got to be mobile. You've got to have that agility. I think it's a lot closer fight than people give credit for, and I think that AJ is also a lot better boxer than people. He's, he's better credit since for. he had that scared where he, yeah. he nearly he got clipped, and you saw him in his eyes yeah. thinking, "Shit, I could go yeah. down here." Do you know what I mean? This, this is it. I think the biggest thing that could have happened for him. You know, was the was the loss to Ruiz that that did him the world of good because sometimes you can box within yourself because you are afraid of losing. Once you've taken away that loss, that actually I've got a, I've got a one on my record now. I've got a loss on my record. I, I've done it before. You know, I've lost before. It's not it's not the end of the world. I came back from it. Yeah, it hurt. Yeah, I was disappointed in myself. Yeah, it was a bit embarrassing, but I know what it's like to lose now. And I think he's come back with a, a dedication to the sport that we hadn't seen before. That is, it's easy, you know when you're, you're knocking people out and all you have to do is, is jab them and they're falling over, you know, um, to not have to work on maybe parts of your of your your game that are not the best. Um, and I think, I guess the challenge with Fury is because everything comes so natural. I'm not saying he doesn't work hard, he does work very hard, but because generally speaking, everything comes naturally to him. Yeah. He's a naturally gifted boxer. Him motivating himself for fights can sometimes be a bit of a start. But when he went down that time and then he got up, all of a sudden oh, he had a... 
hell of a lot of uh, admiration. Do you know what I mean? You've got you've you've got to give him credit for that. You've got nobody takes a right hand. I've never seen anything like that. (laughs) And the left hook, it's the left, the little left hook that follows up as he's falling down. Yeah, to get off on that was special. Um, you know what? It's, it's, it's like a, a lot of anal- analogies for life, isn't it? You do see those people who are really, really good at what they do. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes it does take, you know, a few failures to, to, to make you appreciate the good things in life. And also not not be such an arsehole. No one likes someone who's really good at, you know, really good at something and, and just doesn't seem to have to work at that's, it. Yeah, that, I think that's why... Probably, if, if and it's strange me saying this as a man, you know, I'll always support Tyson Fury and want him to do well. But AJ's my guy. If I'm being totally honest with you, AJ's my guy because, again, he's overcome adversity. You know, he's been written off. He's yeah. been through experiences in life. You know, even what, what not, not many people know, he only started boxing because he was preparing to go to prison. He was basically living a yeah. life and was told, Read that, yeah. this is going to catch up with you soon, so you better train, you better lift weights, you better be able to defend yourself because... When you go to prison, you're going to be fresh meat. And, you know, to kind of overcome that, to become an Olympic champion, to become a world champion in, what was it, his 17th fight? Yeah. It's spectacular. And I think the thing is, and it, and I know, I know this is genuine because I've got a mate, um, and Joby, what's his, I don't know Joby's son, but anyway, Joby is one of the people he's got in his team who's kind of like a life coach and a mentor. Joby speaks about how positive his mindset is and his humility really stands out to me. You know, yeah. he'll fight with somebody, and afterwards, you know, you can see how he exchanges with that person in the ring. He doesn't do the trash talk. He just says, you know, I'm here to fight. I'm here to to do the best that I can possibly do. It comes and across that, as a decent guy, man. Do you know what I mean? He's a decent guy that's hard working. Yeah, he's the kind of guy you just know if you had dinner with him, you'd have a proper laugh. And it, you know, it'd, be, it'd just be dead nice. You wouldn't, feel, you wouldn't feel like he's a bit up himself, is he? No, no. I mean, I can't, I, I can't say I get the same same from from Fury, unfortunately. But yeah, no, I, I think with Fury, you'd have to be really, really careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. What, um, what, what plans have you got for the next few months, and Reese? I mean, obviously, you, you're looking at October yeah. to do this, to do this launch. Yeah, so there's, there's there's lots of stuff happening. So yeah, I'm looking to do. This lot, this sharing in in October. So that what that will be is a sharing of some of the work I'm, I've been working on. Well, we'll um, be there. All being well, we'll be there. Yeah, all being nice. When all being well, the collection will get published in um in spring next year. That's the plan. That's the vision. Right. Um. But before then, I've got an EP that I'm working on at the minute. So I also do music and I kind of work uh, my poetry into music. So I've got an EP called Nostalgia, um, right. which I'm going to launch on the fourth of July. Um, right. and that's going to be the launch of a live event. Right. Yeah, I'm not allowed to, to say what the platform is, but a significant platform I'll be launching that. Oh, it better um, not be Stream GM. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, it, I can confirm it's not Stream GM. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'll be launching the, the, the EP there with that um, alongside performances from some other fantastic artists. Again, I'm not allowed to say anything. I've been told I've got to shut my mouth for a little bit, um, which I, I really, I really find hard to do. Um, yeah, me too, man. I'm working on. I, this one I can announce. I'm working on a commission for Cartwheel Arts as well. They're based in Rochdale, right. um, a fantastic arts organisation that really empowers the community. Um, so I'm going to be working with some young people in Deeplish in Rochdale. Yeah. And um, I'm going to be writing a poem that's kind of reflecting on their, their life experiences. That's going to be, um, the, the, the phrase isn't sandblasted, but you know when they kind of do the reverse graffiti, when you kind of reverse right. graffiti things onto the pavement. So you get this right. kind of um, cancelled and it's water blasted onto the pavement. Um so a project that's called the Poetry Miles Project. So I'm the commission poet on that. 
well, one of the commission points on that. So yeah, I'll be doing that. Um, and then some other projects I'm working on with uh, Stone Sustain Theatre up north. So I'm producing a um, grime theatre piece with an amazing artist called Hypes, a Manchester uh, artist called Manchester oh, Hypes. Where's that? Where's that going to be on that? That's going to be again. I can't. I can't give full details but hopefully by the time you put this podcast out i'll be able to say here's the date here's the venue well i'm putting it out this afternoon <laughs> oh so in that so in that case <laughs> no, i'll be a week or so, but yeah no fair enough yeah, yeah but that's going to be happening in an outdoor manchester venue yeah see this is this is why i miss not being able to sit in front of people because normally you just say all oh, right yeah no i completely understand that Reese. let's just go for a pint <laughs> then you yeah. just you know give a few beers and after that it's ah oh, I'll tell you everything oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it we're into um, which which has been hilarious recently two or three times recently I've had to sign these NDAs you know these little yeah, like, clauses that you're literally yeah it's getting that it's getting that serious, serious so yeah it's uh, well, it's, well, it's, it's going in the right way mate you know it's going it's, the right way innit? and and I I said I'm I'm really positive about um about culture and, and creatives mm. in Manchester. I think there's it's never been easier mm. to get yourself out there. Um never, no, I think yeah, that that pathways are opening up so much more. Yeah. Easier. Yeah. And there's a lot of supportive people out there of of which, you know, I like to think that, you know, we're two of them. And generally we say that because, you know, I haven't got a I mean, you know, we do the productions and stuff, but other than that, I haven't got a creative bone in my body. So we we, we live our lives <laughs> vicariously through other people. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's fair yeah. enough, as long as we're living them. But yeah. listen, mate, it's Again, been an absolute... Sometimes it's, the produ- sometimes it's the producers that make it happen anyway. So shout out to the producers and the ones do, that make it happen, basically. Yeah, I yeah. think so as well. Yeah. <laughs> do you, have you ever done any acting, Reese? Not not for a very long time. Bits and pieces. I'm, I'm better. I'm a better poet than I am an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. A bit, a bit of honesty. A bit of honesty. Yeah. You can't beat it, can you? I just, no, uh, just I wanted to ask. Actually, do you know your book? Uh, you said it's. Uh, yes. What's it called again? This kind. This kind of black. This kind of black. Uh, yeah. Did you write that prior to the BLM? To, I did. Yes. Yeah, so, Floyd. Or did you write yeah, it so, during? If that makes sense. Look, you know, the, the title's been with me for a long time. The title's been with me probably for about five years. Um, the title for the collection, yeah, it's been with me for, for a long time. Um, as a side, kind of what where the title came from was reading an essay. There's a, a well-known um, cultural theorist called Stuart Hall. And um, he's fantastic. He's a Jamaican academic or was a Jamaican academic and intellectual. And he's the kind of guy that did wheel out for these public debate shows back in the 80s, um, and the mm. early 90s, you know. A, a big ha- moment happens to do with race in the UK and they'd get him out and he'd rip all these right-wing idiots to shreds with his intellectualism. But anyway, um, I was reading his work for my dissertation at university and um, his work blew me away and he wrote a particular essay that's about, um, that basically breaks apart this idea that there's such thing as a homogenous black culture that, you know, there's such a thing as being singularly black. Um, and this idea of this kind of black came from that really. So, yeah. No, okay. I, I was just wondering actually if, what I was going to say, and you've answered the question that you'd you'd already worked on it. I was just wondering if that that whole sort of movement and what was going on at the time, if you were writing before yeah. and during, I was just yeah. wondering if it had changed what you've written. If you know what I mean? Yeah, good, really good questions. I'd say it wouldn't. 
it wouldn't the George Floyd incident and kind of the emergence of and I say I say emergence with kind of inverted commas because this has been happening for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the popularity of it, and by that I don't mean people are happy to see it, I mean that it's become viral. Um it's not new to me in, in that regard. Um I don't think it would have changed what I was writing. Maybe it would make more people take what I'm writing more seriously because yeah. you know. I've been writing, you know, I wrote about Tamir Rice. Again, many people don't know who Tamir Rice was. He was a 13-year-old lad in Cleveland, Ohio, that was playing with a toy gun with his sister in the park. Oh, Somebody yeah. called the police. Yeah. Uh, the police arrived. Within two seconds of them getting out of their vehicle, he'd been shot in the stomach and he died. You know, um, so these elements, I've been writing about this and, and, and knowing about this for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, I just think that the George Floyd incident makes it more... Again, not believable, but it makes it more visible. That's the I word. Just hope that um, more people will accept that piece when it comes out as yeah. an opportunity to educate themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. what I take, you know, me and Paul were, you know, we were asked, we talked about trustee meetings and things. How could we help? How could we change? You know, mm-hmm. two two white fifty year old blokes. You know what I mean? It's like it's not. <laughs> we felt a bit fake going out there and like setting up projects because we've not experienced it. You know, we've experienced it through friends and family members and things like that, but not directly. So it was like, how do we, what do we do? Do you know what I mean? And and the big message that I got from it all and talking to people like Blue and things like that, I said, what can I do to improve things? And she went, just educate yourself, you know, just learn more and listen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Listen to people's experiences and actually accept that. Do you know what I mean? So yep. I think it's really important that um, people like yourself are providing this material for people to educate themselves, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, t- t- times are changing nowhere near fast enough. I mean, I- I've said this loads of times. I've got my-, my three boys. I don't ever think, you know, and I'm saying this from the heart, I don't ever think there's ever been an issue of race. When, when they've been mm. talking about, you know, the friends at school, um, certain mm. situations, uh, uh, sexuality. I mean, it's so, I mean, sometimes you have conversations and I think, am I having this conversation with my 12-year-old, you know? Yeah. They do look at life differently and I think their attitude generally is, listen, as long as he's not a dick. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. who cares? I don't, I, I really yeah. don't care. And, you know, so it's, it, it's, 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 a, it's a really hard situation, I think, for two yeah. For for us, because you know we've not, I I don't know. I mean, I, I know yeah, of situations, yeah. but I've I've not lived that life. So other than, I mean, I I put a call out to say, listen, you know, black writers, um, you know, for the pod play, you know, get in touch. Tell me, and I was told, well, no, you should be doing it yourself. And it's like, yeah, but I can't tell a story that I I've not lived. I can't because it's not coming from, it's not, not coming authentic. From the right, it's not coming from the right place. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I mean that's the call out that I put out, and I'll, I'll say that to you, Reese. If, you, if you're looking to to write anything for the, I mean, the pod plays, which is what we do, one of the podcasts we've got, which is plays that we record and releases as podcasts, and, we, and we're doing really well with that. So, I mean, I'm always looking cool. for writers, full stop. You know, and yeah. I, I, I and again, this is a, a difficult situation. I don't want to get into a situation when I say I, I want black writers. I want, I want. Right, I want to give opportunity to creatives. A good writer, yeah, yeah, and it's all, yeah. and to me, it's all about the story. But you know, I, I want a mix of stuff that diversity needs to come through. Yeah, yeah. I think I want, it is what represents. I want what represents Greater Manchester. Now, I mean, I work in the community sector. I've worked in the community mm-hmm. sector a long time. 
And I've put this yeah. reach out to to the Jewish community, to the Irish community, to and it was like these all these communities have always been there as long as I'm a proud bank because I've had access to all these different cultures. You know, I've I've had so such a range of food, music, culture yeah. around me as I've grown up, and that's benefited me. So I want to somehow respect that by giving all of those sort of microcosms of one big place, which is our Greater Manchester. We want to give them the opportunity, but we reach out. We go, is anyone from the Jewish community can come and do some music on here? We never heard anything. No, no, we reach out and go, is anything? I mean, I don't know if there was like, (laughs) it might be an art form within a community that I don't know anything about and I'd love to learn. Do you know what I mean? I also think the yeah. older you get, it's nice. It's nice to be surprised. It's <clears> nice by someone going. Did you know this? And you're going, oh, I never knew that. You know, I mean, it, it's oh, and it, you know, it's, rare, it's rarer and rarer. Believe me. But yeah. uh, listen, but if there's I, anybody out there, mate, uh, this has got to be specific because yeah. it's sponsored by Carl. It's got to be over 25s. Yeah. If there's anybody, so like in it, yeah, this this one, we will be doing yeah, more. Sure. Um, sure. If there's anyone out there you know in Greater Manchester that wants to be come on this yeah. platform, and the view is, once we're able to, we want to take these out into Carlin. We're already talking to Carlin about using their venues. So we, this is this I mean, is like starting the process. I mean, we, you know, we, we know a lot of spoken word artists, and we're speaking to a lot of people. And you know, sometimes it because you're something that you really like, you find yourself doing more of it than than yes. what you you probably could. But I think you know we've got a really good selection across that. But I, I'm looking for you know, in terms of young, and well, yeah, you, I want young emerging talent, and um, so at, anybody. I mean, you you obviously know everybody and anybody. Bearing in mind, it would be this. You know, it's this environment. So, but yeah, no, listen, yeah, anyone sure. put him in our direction, mate. We'd love to uh, we'll come on and have a chat. Thank you very much, guys, mate. Guys, really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. And I love Likewise, you. guys. Really nice to chat with you and we'll, we'll speak soon, yeah? Yeah, yeah nice talking care, to you, mate. pal. Keep up the good work, brother. Take care, guys. Yeah, cheers, <laughs> nice Take care, man. Thanks, you know, pal. Bye. Bye.